Welcome back to another episode of the Bolton E-Bikes podcast. Every once in a while, I do episodes that are just me, where you get to hear me talk about whatever e-bike thing I want to talk about, of course. And then sometimes we have industry experts, somebody from another bike company. And then every once in a while, we get somebody who is just somebody who loves e-bikes and has a really great story to tell. So today is one of those days where we've got, I think, a really incredible story that I uh, saw mentioned online in an e-bike group and I wanted to know more about. So we've got Mark from California on the podcast today and let's get started. I'm your host, Kyle Chittock, and I am the owner of Bolton e-bikes and again, you're listening to the Bolton e-bikes podcast. Welcome, Mark. Uh, glad to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. Um, glad to be here. <laughs> really a big fan of Bolton, so this is actually a good, uh, a positive thing for me. <laughs> oh, good. Cool. Now, as far as I know, you've got, it was a Rusher bike, is that correct? Am I remembering correctly? Yes, I have a Rusher XF800. I actually have several um, e-bikes. That's oh, my okay. primary bike. I also have a Biconic HD750. And then I have a custom-made tandem that Bolton helped me put together for my wife and I to ride together. Uh, and then my daughter has a Rad Rover, Rad Power, something. I've got her for Christmas last year. So we've got four e-bikes in the family right now. Well, that's great. I love it. It's hard to have just one sometimes. Yeah, especially when you're addicted to speed. I mean, <laughs> I've got sports cars. I've got, a, I've got a 39 hot rod that I built. I've got a motorcycle I'm in the process of building right now. Got it. So have you been, uh, obviously, some of these are custom bikes that you've put together. Have you been kind of tweaking and modifying? Is that how you started or did you buy an e-bike first and then you kind of went crazy from there? Well, I never just buy anything without modifying it, unfortunately. I mean, even my daily driver has been modified, but I bought the Rusher, uh, the XF800 was the first e-bike that I'd ever purchased. And I think I had it all of 10 minutes in my possession before I started changing parts. I was actually buying parts for it while it was in processing and hadn't even been shipped to me yet. So <laughs> okay. I had specific things in mind. Uh, there were specific goals that I was looking for and I knew the specs on the bike and I knew that I was going to have to change some parts to get to where I wanted to go. Got it. Uh, what were some of the things you changed on that particular bike? Uh, the very first thing was the chain ring. Uh, it comes with a 42 tooth chain ring, which is great for mountain bike and hills, but I'm on flat land where I'm at. So I went with a taller chain ring, uh, 53 tooth. Uh, to get a little bit more speed out of it and a little more consistent cadence. Mm -hmm. I eventually ended up changing the rear cassette from a 7 to a 9 speed. The grips got changed. Eventually, the controller got changed. The display got changed from a LCD3 to an LCD8H. Uh, handlebars <laughs> got changed. I added headlights, uh, headlights, taillights, and turn signals, and a separate 12-volt battery pack so I wasn't pulling power off of my uh, my motor battery. God, I don't even know what else I've done. Oh, I've upgraded <laughs> the brakes on it. Well, I, I think I'd post it online. I've gone through a little over 17,000 miles on that bike in 13 months now. And I've gone through four sets of tires, half a dozen sets of brake pads, two sets of brake rotors, half a dozen chains. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> That's a I mean, lot of miles. The, the, the modifications, there's a, there's a lot of maintenance. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a car. It's not going to run forever on the same parts. It's all cheaper to operate in a car. Now, I'm curious because that is a lot of miles. Most people don't get that many on their e-bike. What is 
still stock on the bike that hasn't worn out? The frame? <laughs> <laughs> the rims and the frame are still original. Okay. The lower rear fork, because it's a, it's a full suspension bike, the lower rear fork did break. My guess is because of my weight at the time that I started, the bike had a, a max weight capacity of 335 pounds. I was 365 when I started riding that bike, and I was carrying another 30 pounds of cargo with me going back and forth to work. So I was overloading that bike by close to 100 pounds. And okay. at some point, the rear fork did, uh, the, the frame did break. Saw Russia was excellent in, in warranting the item, though I, I told them what I thought broke the part. I, I wasn't expecting them to warranty the part they did. Wow, that's great. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, even even the the headset, I changed out to a kinetic suspension headset because of uh, I was getting numbness in my hands. I mean, I, I do round trip fifty miles a day, twenty five up and twenty five back to work. I do that four or five days a week, so I do it through L.A. And through the garbage pothole riddled streets of Los Angeles. So I was getting really bad numbness in my hands from the vibration. Even with the front suspension fork, it was still bad. So the kinetic actually resolved a lot of that problem. I don't have that pain in my wrists anymore from, from the constant jarring cement that I'm riding on. That's great. You're getting a ton of exercise, it sounds like. I'm sure you, you have a lot of thoughts about that. And that was obviously one of the reasons I wanted to, to talk to you is because outside of the world of e-bikes, which I think basically is anybody who hasn't ridden one yet, I think they don't understand that you can exercise as much as you want on your e-bike. And without spoiling anything, I, I just want you to share your thoughts and experiences about that. When I started this uh, almost two years ago, I was... 430 pounds. I had a blood clot in my leg that I ended up having surgery on that they did a, a ultrasonic to break up the blood clot. And I was basically told if I didn't do something about my weight, I would have a heart attack or a stroke pretty soon. Genetics in my family are, were prime indicators of that. My father and both his brothers had weight issues and had heart issues. My grandfather, 400, 350, 90, 400 pounds, died at age 54 of a heart attack. My first cousin, my dad's brother's kid, is 55, had two heart attacks, and he's at around 400 pounds. Genetic thing, obviously, and predisposed, I guess, to the heart problems and whatever. And I was pretty much told I'm headed down the same path. Mm -hmm. And I decided I was going to do something about it. I wasn't going to let it overtake me. So I went and saw some specialists. And my biggest problem in my life was my job. I'm very sedentary. I work in IT. I sit behind a desk 10, 12 hours a day sometimes. And finding time to exercise was really hard. And finding time to eat was really hard. I, I was the, the guy that would eat one meal a day, usually three, 4,000 calories at night, 10 minutes before I went to bed. And the rest of the day, my dietary staple was coffee. So I had to deprogram that. I had to change. So I went to a dietitian. I went to a weight loss clinic. I got a handle on what I needed to do, uh, and I started doing it. And I found out I had some medical issues. I had some medication now that kind of helps keep my metabolism steady. And when the weight started coming off, uh, within, a, within about six months, I had lost close to 70 pounds. And that was just diet changes. There was nothing else involved there. Okay. But I was told that it doesn't matter how much I diet, the weight is never going to stay off because there are some predetermining factors and I needed to fix those. So I said, you know, I was talking to my family and I said, I need to figure out a way to exercise that doesn't interfere with my work schedule. Right. And one of the things I had realized 
is that my drive, my commute to work is through downtown LA. It takes me an hour to an hour and a half on a good day to go 25 miles. And I'm averaging about 15 miles an hour. Okay. So that's, uh, <laughs> those are e-bike speeds right there. Yeah. What started is I, I said, I can do an hour on a stationary bike and I average about 12 to 14 miles an hour. And I can do that steadily for an hour. And that was at 365 pounds without too much distress. I said, so I want to get a bike. I'm, maybe I should ride a bike to work. It's, it's 25 miles. Let me, you know, it would take me two hours, but let me try. And, and I didn't know anything about e-bikes at the time. I mean, I mean, I knew what they were, but I didn't really know mm-hmm. anything about them. So I just started searching and, and I tend to have some really good Google skills. And I started Googling and searching. And then I realized that, you know, this might be an option. I can get to work in the same amount of time that I would in a car, but I'm getting exercise as opposed to sitting behind the wheel. That's what led to it. I bought the bike. Um, the side rusher was chosen because they had inventory. They guaranteed I would have the bike within six weeks and they had a bike that would hold my weight. Uh, most of the bikes out there I noticed didn't have a weight capacity of more than about 250 pounds, which would have meant I would have had to lose another 100, 115 pounds before I could even consider getting on one. I was told by Sarah Rusher that their bike supported 365. When I got it, the paperwork said 335. I'm sure it can handle 365. I was pushing it close to 400, like I said, and, and did have a breakage. But beyond that, the bike has been outstanding. There has been no other issues with the bike. So I just decided one day, this is what I'm going to do. And I got on the bike and started riding. I didn't have a pathway. I used GPS on my phone. <laughs> Try to figure out how to get to work. Uh-huh. You know, Apple Maps is okay. It, it had me routing on all these streets. I'm dealing with traffic. I'm like, okay, well, at least I'm doing like 20, 22, 23 miles an hour. I'm dealing with traffic. People aren't really pissed off at me for being in their way, but it was stressful. Uh, and then I ran out of battery four miles before I got to my destination. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I was running on, yeah, I was running on past five. And, you know, I, I, it's the first time I'd ever done this. It's the longest distance I'd ever done. I ended up, getting it downshifting in the first and that last four miles took me the same amount of time. The first 20 miles took me. I got there dead tired, but I got there and I was smart enough to remember to bring my charger with me. So I was able to charge the bike up. <laughs> That's a good, good thing. Yeah. I ended up working a little overtime that day because it took like 10 hours to charge, charge it up, but I ended up going home. I, I downgraded it to pass three so that I can make sure I got all the way home without killing that last four miles. And I did. I managed to get almost all the way home. I was about a, three quarters of a mile shy. So right after that, I ended up buying a second battery and, and making sure I always carried a second battery with me just in case. Okay. As I've gotten stronger and better stamina, I've lowered the PAS level on the bike and I'm able to actually do close to 30 miles on, a, on the, the same battery now that I was initially only doing like 19 miles on. Oh, great. The other thing is I, tweet, I tweaked the, the, the settings uh, in the display. The, one of the settings is the, uh, the max power output. I mean, by default, it was set to 100%. And yeah, that's great. At past five, I was pushing, you know, 1400 watts or whatever on the, the Bethany hub motor. I cut that down to, it, to half so that the motor would only peak at 750 watts. I only lost about two miles an hour total speed, but I gained like 10 miles an hour in range which was more important to me. Yeah, the range increase when you just tune it down just a hair is is quite dramatic. It's nice to have the power if you're going for a short ride, but if you know you're going distance, uh, that's something I always recommend. Either turn it down or don't use that peak power, like 
pedal a lot to get going. Don't use the throttle, get started. Like, you know, there's little things you can do to really, really get more range, which I'm sure with all the miles you put on your bike, it just is second nature now. Yeah, I can max out at 42 miles on the bike and pass one without an issue with myself on it. At, um, I'm at 191 pounds now. Uh, my daughter rides my 800 on the weekends, and I ride the Biconic or the Tandem with my wife, and she can actually get 53 miles on it, but she only weighs 115 pounds. <laughs> so 70-pound difference in weight makes a big difference in range. And the, the Biconic, I actually got it because it had the dual batteries. Uh-huh. I, I was kind of frustrated with having to carry two batteries with me, but I find that I like the Rusher for my daily commute better. And I use the other one on the weekends. So it's only got like 800 miles on it right now. And my tandem, I think we've got about 1600 miles on that. Uh, if my wife doesn't go, I take the HD 750. If my wife wants to go, we take the tandem. Got it. The tandem has a 20 amp hour battery, but it only has a 500 watt hub motor, not a 750. So it does 50 something miles on the battery with no issue with the two of us pedaling. But again, we're at a point now where we don't use the high level of paths. We're not out there for speed. We're out there for exercise. And me personally, I'm out there for a high cadence and a high heart rate. So I have mm -hmm. it geared that way. So I can maintain a cadence of 95 to 100 RPM and a heart rate between 130 and 145. So that's, those are my goals. I don't look at how fast I'm going. I look at, at the other matrix that I'm interested. I have some, I have a Wahoo cadence and, and heart rate monitor that I use for every ride. And I, I, that's what I'm, I monitor. I know for my, my work commute now, I can do it. The fastest I've ever done it is 42 minutes. My average is, is 53 minutes, which is actually less time than it takes to drive my car. <laughs> isn't, isn't that amazing how you're actually able to save time while while exercising that much that's crazy i work with a lady that lives a mile from me and one day i we left at the same time and i told her i bet you i could i could beat you to your house on my bike and she thought i was joking and i beat her <laughs> to her house by like by 15 minutes <laughs> she's probably made her think twice about all the driving she was doing huh <laughs> no not really i mean she's she's a little girl she only weighs she, she weighs 120 pounds and she weighs that much but yeah it was just kind of amusing to me that i was actually able to get there faster than than she was and she was driving yeah no, I, I believe it uh, in the traffic situation you're talking about. I mean, Grass Valley, where I'm at, is a small town. And even here, there are certain places where I can get there faster on an e-bike, you know, just going through the downtown area at all. You know, even though the average roads have much higher speed limits. So I can only imagine where you're at that just riding an e-bike just seems like the perfect situation to uh, cut that time down and uh, and hopefully most days it's more fun too. A lot more fun, I would hope. Yeah. I mean, unless it's raining, um, I've learned now the pathways that I can take that avoid traffic. Um, going through LA, there are a couple of riverbeds that have dedicated bike paths. The advantage for me is I can go close to 12 miles on that bike path without stop signs, red lights, or traffic. I hit some pedestrian traffic. Um, they're usually pretty good about moving out of the way when you go home and buy at 25 miles an hour. It's a, a big advantage for me because I don't have to deal with all the traffic. And then the small area that I do have to deal with the traffic uh, has a dedicated uh, bike lane on the road. So, again, not too big of a deal. I've, I've found six or seven different routes to take to the office, and I vary them up mm -hmm. um, on a regular basis because having ridden motorcycles for years, you tend to zone out when you're doing the same path over and over again because you know the path. Yeah. And that can be dangerous. And I have had a couple of spills because I kind of zoned out. And it's like, okay, it's time to change things up, keep myself alert and aware 
of where I'm at and what I'm doing. And the paths that I'm taking actually are longer than if I was driving my car. They're a mile and a half longer because going through LA, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the five freeway cuts diagonally through the city. So you're going northwest through the city, but on the bike path, I go dead north than dead west. It's a little bit longer distance as a result. But again, still getting there faster than if I do driving a car. And how long ago did you start riding your bike? How many years have you been doing this? Uh, October 21st of last year, 2020. It was the first day I rode to work. So it's wow. a year and seven days, eight days right now. That's a lot less time than I, I would have guessed. <laughs> you know, I would have guessed at least a couple of years or something. No, no, just uh, just over a year. And in that time, uh, again, I weighed 365 a year ago. Even today, uh, I was probably around 360 on this day. And I'm at 191 now. So I've lost a significant amount of weight in the last year. There are other factors involved. It's not 100% e-bike, but I would say that 70 to 80% of the weight loss came from the fact that I'm daily exercise of at least two hours a day, keeping my heart rate above 130 uh, and doing that pedaling. I do it four days a week to and from work. And then on Saturday and or Sunday, depending on what our schedule is, my daughter, wife, and I go out and do 60 miles each day, Saturday and Sunday. That's amazing. It just depends on, again, our schedule. Like tomorrow, my daughter's got, she's a musician and she's in a marching band. So they've got a performance tomorrow. So we won't be pedaling tomorrow, but Sunday we'll go out and we'll probably do from what we usually do. If you, you can Google it uh, from the Santa Fe Dam and I believe it's in Irwindale all the way to Seal Beach, which is, I believe, 36 miles. We'll, we'll drive up to the dam, offload the bikes, ride all the way down to the beach, then ride all the way back. 36 miles one way, almost 80 miles. That's awesome. We'll usually stop at the beach, have a picnic, uh, and charge the bikes. Uh, we only get about maybe 30 40% charge, but it's enough to get us back. Well, you've put a lot of miles on, and I know a lot of people are riding for fun, like what you do on the weekends. Occasionally, you know, we have people that are commuting, but I know that's not quite as common, not to the level that you're doing. Uh, I'm curious if you have any uh, tips for people that are new to e-bikes with all the mileage and experience you have. You know, I got some questions like, what are the things you carry on your bike on a daily basis? Because that ranges all over the place. I know what I carry, but I'm curious what you carry with you. Well, first and foremost for me is, is safety. So I went out and lit up my bike like a Christmas float. <laughs> awesome. I have monkey lights in the wheels so that I have, uh, you know, the LEDs that are, are flashing while I'm riding so people can see me from the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a seven-inch LED off-road light from a Jeep uh, mounted it on the handlebars. So I have a very bright headlight and a, a similar but red for the, for the rear. Uh, and then... I also have a Lumos uh, Matrix helmet that ha- that flashes LEDs front and rear and has turn signals built into it. So I can pretty much be seen. Uh, I have actually had people tell me they can see me like a half a mile away. I've had mothers <laughs> that have pulled me at red lights asking where I got the helmet, um, how I put the lights on the bike. They want stuff, something like that for their kids because they were very impressed at how far away they can see me. So for me, safety is number one. I'm in traffic. I'm driving or riding 25. In some cases, I've been up to 32 miles an hour on a 35 mile an hour zone. I'm keeping pace with these guys in traffic and I need them to see me. Absolutely. So, I mean, for me, that's number one. What I carry on my bike, I'll be honest, I carry quite a bit. I think the majority of people would find me to be way too overcautious. Uh, Maybe it's the Boy Scout in me, but... Well, I understand you're going to and from work, so time 
you know, if something breaks down, you want to fix it and get to work still. Well, yeah, I've, I've had a couple of flats. I've had a couple of broken chains, um, you know, and the first time it happened, I had to call the wire. She had to drive out to me with a spare inner tube and, and a box of tools because I didn't have anything on the bike. So I have real tools, not multi-tools. I, I carry the Allen wrenches and the, the crescent wrenches and everything that fit every bolt on the bike to make sure that I have a tool for everything. I carry a spare chain, a spare inner tube and a patch kit, an air pump both electric and hand. I mean, the electrics are great, but they don't tend to last. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also carry a, a flashlight because I have had uh, issues at night when I broke a chain, it was pitch black on a riverbed with no lights. So need to have some, something. So I, I carry it probably 15 pounds worth of stuff on, on the pack. Okay. Just for that purpose. Uh, because for me, it's no different than being in a car. Uh, my car has a spare tire and all the, all the equipment that I need. If I break down on the side of the road, the bike now has all of the same stuff. And then I've made it a habit Personally, um, I drive to work on Mondays. Uh, Mondays in IT tend to be very horrible days anyway because nobody's been around over the weekend and everything, nothing works on Mondays. So I drive in and what I'll do when I drive in on Monday is I will take all of my meal prep for the week. I will take all of my clothes for the week oh. and leave them in my office. Then what I, I ride my, my, use my bicycling. Yeah, I use my bicycling clothes and then I get to work and I change into my clothes. Uh, and then when I come home at night, all I have to do is put those work clothes that I use that day in the panniers and bring that home. I don't have to carry a large amount of stuff every day. I just bring home what I use for that day. And then by Friday, everything's come back. And I just repeat the process on Monday and take everything in on Monday and bring home the daily use stuff every day. It makes it easier on me to deal with it. Plus, I don't have to carry all that stuff on my bike every day. I don't have to yep. remember, oh, I forgot my lunch or whatever. You know, it's, just, it's all at the office <laughs> yeah. on Mondays. And do you keep a, a second charger at your office now so you don't have to carry the charger back and forth as well? I do. I went and got a um, the original charger that came with the bike was a two-amp charger, which took like 10 hours to charge the bike. I went mm-hmm. and got a five-amp charger. So um, obviously higher amperage, faster charge times. The bike charges in about four hours now instead of 10. And I have, I have three batteries. I carry two on the bike and I have one at work. So what I typically will do is rotate the batteries every day. So battery number one, I ride two, battery number two is in the pack, battery number three is at work. And then I'll put three on the bike, put two on the charger, put one in the pack and I'll rotate them out so that I'm not fast charging the batteries all the time because I know that's bad for the batteries. And then I always have an extra battery at the office in case something happens. Yeah, I have a charger at home, charger at work and the batteries just get, the three batteries get rotated on a daily basis. It just makes more sense to me than trying to kill one battery. Fast charging them all the time yeah, and, fa- and draining them. And I drain them. I mean, they, they tell you not to let them get down below about 20%. And I've had them go down to zero a few times. And I know it's really bad on the cells because then they overheat when they're charging. So I try and just keep them rotating. The Biconic is better because it's 30 amp hours. So I can actually get to and from work without having to charge the bike. But it's not as comfortable a ride. It's kind of a hunting bike. It's not really a street bike. Uh, maybe if I change the tires and put a suspension stem and some other stuff on it, uh-huh. it'll be a little easier. But right now, I'm not in the mood to spend a thousand dollars in mods on that. Bike. To try and upgrade I've it, you, on yeah, ones. you've got a good commuter setup. Yeah, I've got uh, one of our Warthog bikes here at the shop. One of our demo bikes. I've got a suspension saddle on it and the suspension stem, and I've showed some of those in some videos, and it makes it really comfortable compared to. Uh, uh, the way it comes. But realistically, if I was just going to use it on the weekends or trail riding on occasion, then I may not even bother with those. It's more of a everyday 
type bike, then, then those comfort upgrades are, are really nice. Yeah. I mean, I spent quite a bit of money. Uh, the Cyrusher was, uh, $2,800 purchased and I probably put another thousand dollars into it. The tandem I bought, that was a horrible experience purchasing it. Oh, no. It was uh, $3,000. Yeah. The company is just, was just garbage to deal with. It was $3,000 to buy. And then it didn't work out of the box. I, I went about 10 miles and I got a, an error on the display. The motor wouldn't kick in. Throttle didn't work. Um, it was a, I think it was an O3 error, which is a controller communication error. Yep. I contacted the company and they said, send us a video. I sent them a video. They said, oh, take out the controller, take out the display, send them to us. And that was in February. And I, they've ghosted me since. Never heard back from them. Oh, wow. Uh, never got my display back. Never got my controller back. I tried filing a claim with, with Amazon and it was past the whatever 90 day mark. And I, I tried emailing them and they won't respond. They pretty much have no interest in honoring their warranty or anything else. So I had the bike, needed to do something with it. That's where Ashley Bolton came in. I used your Rad Power Upgrade controller, display, and um, whatever and bought parts from you and made that bike work. Redid the bike from scratch. Okay. So I bought gearing from you. I bought a, I bought a bunch of stuff from you guys to, <laughs> to make that bike work. And, and you, have a, you have a guy there named Mark that, I mean, he helped me through email, fix all the issues and get everything up and running. That bike runs beautifully now, a, a thousand times better than it ever would have from that company. But again, that was a lot of money. That was probably another seven, eight hundred dollars above the purchase price of the bike. Yeah, just to fix it. Yeah, and then the other, the purchasing of the other two bikes. I, I've got fifteen thousand dollars invested in the last year in these bikes, <laughs> so I'm not really in the mood to spend more money on them. Like I said, I'm building a motorcycle right now, so that's that's where all my discretionary funds are going. <laughs> got it. Well, I have to admit those are fun as well, so I'm not a not opposed to that. Yeah, that's all really, really great. I was thinking, I know I'm backtracking a little bit when you're talking about the lights on your helmet, the lights on the bike, the monkey lights and the wheels. But one of the newest things I saw come out and I saw at the, uh, the show in Monterey the other week were pedals that have, uh, red lights oh. in the back and then white lights in the front. And then if they flip over the lights actually know which direction they're facing and they reverse. And those are, they're pretty slick setup. So I think for visibility, that's those are super cool. I've seen those online. Arc ArcLight is that the company? Uh, I think that's the one. It might be the the company is it's the same company that makes the suspension seat post and stem. Uh, Redshift that's the company. Sandy would come back to me. That's the company that made it. I think they've got you know some special name on the on these pedals themselves. But uh, I got to see a prototype in person because they had one that they could show and it was it was cool because they have like little magnetic holders so you can pop the lights out they can mount on your bike as a tail light or headlight or in the pedals so pretty versatile little thing looks redshift arc light that is the pedals yep. are called arc lights yeah, yeah that's the one yeah i've actually been seeing those i've been looking at them i don't know if i'm too interested in them because um, <laughs> you've got a bunch of stuff already well i like the pedals i have they're very grippy pedals because i don't like clipless and i don't like for me on a commuter bike especially one that weighs 60 pounds i don't want to be clipped in if i go head over heels the bike's coming with me i don't want a 60 pound bike line landing on me if it's a 20 pound carbon frame bike that's one thing but i've had a couple of funny spills on mine uh self-inflicted spills and i just don't think i'd want to clipped in bike landing on top of me in that sure. scenario. No, when I'm commuting, I just wear my regular tennis shoes, flat pedals, 
it's only if I'm really going to get aggressive off-road on trails mountain biking that I, I throw the other pedals and shoes on so I can clip in. Because I in that case, I want to be attached to the bike when I get into rough terrain. But commuting, I don't see the uh, see as much of an advantage to it. And I just wear my flat pedals all the time. Or flat shoes and flat pedals, I guess I should say. Yeah. I have, uh, I'm trying to remember the pedals that I bought. I really like them. They have replaceable grips on them. Fixation. Fixation. Something like that. Okay. They've got metal replaceable tabs on them, so and they don't tear up my shoes, but they keep my feet gripped. The regular flat pedals, I've noticed, even though they have the little plastic nubs on them, my feet tend to slip off of them. Yeah, especially I find if you ever like step in a puddle or if it gets a little bit rainy, certain pedals can become really slick rather quickly. So I try to stay away from those on, on my own bikes uh, whenever possible. And then, you know, for my lights, I actually used a 12-volt, 8-amp-hour battery pack from a telescope. I have a Celestron telescope, and they have these little battery packs that are, remember the old 5.5-inch mechanical hard drives? Oh, yeah. uh, For computers? (laughs) It's about that size. It's not very big. And I just zip-tied it to the seat post bar, and it runs off of the 2.5-millimeter DC cables, and I've wired everything to that, and it has its own on-and-off switch. It automatically turns off if it's not drawing power. So I have a switch for the headlights. When I turn the switch for the headlights off, the battery will shut off within about 15 seconds. So it's not draining. It lasts a full week's commute. I use it going and coming daytime or nighttime. I always have the lights on and it will last a good eight hours. It's an eight amp hour battery and I charge it once a week. It's great. It's not designed for what I'm using it for, but it works very well. (laughs) Hey, if it works. Yeah. They have little batteries and stuff for bikes, but most of them are at best two amp hours, which means I'd yeah, you got to charge it every day. Yeah, when I was doing commuting every day on a not an e-bike that didn't have its own lights, I had a little battery pack and I feel like eventually it wore out and, you know, I was charging it every single day to keep it up and eventually it wouldn't even make it during the commute. And it's like, "Oh, that's that's a bummer." You know, I'd rather have a battery that's a little bigger, a little heavier and have lights cuz that's more important than than the weight. <laughs> Yeah, this isn't really that big. I mean, it weighs less than a pound. It's not very heavy. Um, and it just, I just zip tied it to the bike. It's designed actually, and it comes with its own Velcro strap to be strapped to a tripod for a telescope. And it'll run a telescope all night if you align a telescope that has an automatic worm drive in it to follow the stars. You know, and it's 12 volt. So I can use any 12 volt car type light on the bike, which was why I decided to use it. I think it was 80 bucks and it, it works beautifully. I actually ended up going out and buying them for all the bikes because it's just easier. 48-volt lights that you got to find to work with your battery and plug into the wiring harness and all that, it was just too much for me. To, I didn't want to be bothered. <laughs> now I'm drawing power off of my motor, and then I get less range. So, Right. I think there's a redundancy uh, factor there, too. If something happens with your bike, you know, it's not going to affect your lights, and you can still see where you're going if you have to pedal. You know, obviously, hopefully yes. that never happens, but for commuting like that, I'm... I'm a bit more cautious and like to take a lot of tools and backups and, and make sure that I can get there no matter what. Not to the extent of like somebody who's bike packing across the country, <laughs> but not far from it. Yeah. And then I have a hitch and a bike rack and um, it just stays on the back of the car. And if worst case scenario, it's happened twice. Uh, my wife has to come rescue me. I have every contingency for the most part planned at this point. Um, I've had enough flat tires and enough uh, chain breakages that I I know what I need to do. Now, are you running uh, any sort of uh, flat tire sealant uh, armor or anything like that in your tires? I'm just curious. Nope. 
I have um, the Origin 8 street tires. I got rid of they're the fat tires, but they're street tires. They're not knobby tires. I've been running those the last three sets that I've purchased. I'm getting about 3,000 miles out of a set of those tires. The knobby fat tires, I, I was lucky to get 600 miles for those things were rubbed smooth. I find that they grip better and they're better for the surface, for the road. The ride's a lot more comfortable. But I tried the Mr. Cuffies yeah. uh, on one set. I didn't seem to help. I drove over something and I had four staples in the tire and it went through the Tuffy and into the inner tube anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> unfortunately, I had the same uh, kind of experience. So I think, you know what? For me, I do have the green slime in the tires, uh, in the tubes. I put that in when I install the tires and then I just keep a patch kit with me uh, and I keep a spare inner tube in my pack. I can actually swap out even the rear tire, the, the tire tube. I can swap the whole thing out in under 15 minutes on the mm-hmm. side of the road. So it's just easier for me to deal with. Yeah, that's not too bad. Well, that's great. It sounds like you're you're prepared for every possible situation. And for a year now, it uh, sounds like it's been working out really well. Yeah. Like I said, I, I enjoy it. I have no more excuses about not having time to exercise. I've kind of started a fad at my office. I've got a couple of people now that are biking in. Uh, they're not coming near the distance I am. A couple of them that have gone and got e-bikes just because they saw mine and they don't ride them to work, but they have them for the weekends and they tell me they love them. Mm-hmm. I guess our healthcare provider has a wellness program that will reimburse the company for wellness related equipment. So if the company gives away an Apple watch, for example, the health insurance will reimburse the company for the purchase of that watch. Interesting. The HR manager pulled me in two days ago and she said for our Christmas party, we're, we're thinking about giving away some Apple watches, a Peloton bike, and this kind of stuff. The insurance, the, the, the healthcare or the wellness coverage and the insurance is going to reimburse the company for purchasing this stuff. And we're going to raffle this stuff off at our Christmas party. And they wanted to know if I had any contacts that can get a couple of e-bikes because they're covered. So <laughs> I'm kind of working on that now to see if I can get, uh, see what we can do as far as getting some uh, e-bikes purchased and delivered before Christmas because deliveries are so hard right now. Right. The company's going to give away at least one, maybe two e-bikes uh, during our Christmas raffle this year. And that was prompted by me, my journey. Uh, the company I work for has been awesome with me. They've known me since I was at my heaviest. And they have made uh, changes to their healthcare program to help me with what I needed for the weight loss. Uh, they added weight loss clinic and, and weight loss surgery stuff to help me so that I didn't have a, a big out of pocket for that. They've been very encouraging. Everybody in the company has, has just been outstanding when it comes to encouraging me and keeping me motivated to do this. It's a female-owned, primarily female-run company. Uh, there's only a handful of men that work there. Uh, it's a fashion company. They design women's clothing. So it's a very, um, I don't know how to say it, very empathetic company uh, in that regard. They, they are very mm-hmm. good at keeping people motivated and, and, and the morale high. It's just, they're a positive company. I don't know how else to word it. It's, it's just a <laughs> very good company to work for. Well, that's great. And uh, yeah, it sounds like uh, what they're considering doing and giveaways and raffles and just uh, keeping everybody healthy that works there. That's all awesome. It's all super important. I mean, if your employees aren't happy and healthy, then... Uh, you won't have good employees. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, and they get burned out or, you yeah. know. A lot of it, I think, um, has started because of my health kick with this. I mean, I, I have been kind of on the forefront with the company and a lot of the changes that I see happening with our health care and our, our direct result of my behaviors. 
not that they may not have happened without me, but I think I kind of was a catalyst for a lot of it. They've always had like small little uh, Zumba classes and stuff like that that were company, you know, uh, we go as a group and do this stuff. It was never to the point where it is today. We have walks, a whole groups of people go out on, on lunch walks and we have people that are riding bikes in now and now there's incentives. If you're uh, doing this and we have weight loss weigh-ins and let's see who's losing the most amount of weight they're going to get extra this or bonus that and so i think it's real helpful i think it motivates everybody to want to do something i'm probably a small even the, the weight loss clinic told me i'm kind of an exception i've lost a lot more weight than they anticipated i would they had me a goal weight of 260 pounds i'm 70 pounds below that yeah it's amazing it's not normal not not typical results <laughs> don't everybody hop on an e-bike and expect that that's going to happen <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot involved. My diet is very, very strict. My regiment is very, very strict. Uh, and I've stuck to it for almost two years now. It, I, I haven't fallen off. I know what I can eat and that's what I eat. I don't vary from that very often. Um, mm -hmm. I used to be a big foodie. I love to cook. I'm Italian and I love to cook. I love to, <laughs> I love to eat, but I've learned I, I had to curb that behavior. That's who I always blame for my, my weight gain is my Italian wife, who's a very good cook. <laughs> Yeah, I have a I have a Mexican wife who's a very good cook. I have an Italian mother who's a very good cook. I'm a very good cook. I love to cook. Like I said, the genetics in my family have shown that that this is not a positive thing. I had to change it. I'm hoping that I did change for the better. I've been told that my heart is very strong. Uh, I went from a resting heart rate of 90 beats a minute down to to 52 beats a minute. That's is now my resting heart rate wow. a year and a half later. I struggled to get my heart rate up to 130, 140 beats a minute before I struggled to keep it below 150 beats a minute. So now it's a struggle to get it up that fast because it's not, it doesn't have to work as hard. I'm, you know, I'm not carrying around two bodies. Hopefully I've managed to stave off that genetic disposition for heart attacks in my 50s. Well, you've certainly made a, a dramatic change and it sounds like it's been inspiring to, to those around you and hopefully by having you on the podcast uh, a little bit uh, inspiring for people listening as well, which is, you know, why I wanted to have you on. As soon as I saw, you know, some of the things you posted online, I was like, oh, we got to have this guy on the podcast <laughs> because I know there are others like you out there. Finding them sometimes, you don't know who they are, what they're doing, and uh, just the fact that an e-bike was, was a part of the process for you. You know, I just wanted to make sure people are, are aware of what it can do and that you know, e-bikes are a great way to stay in shape. And it's it's not the whole picture. You got to do the other stuff. You know, like you said, the diet and everything else to, to be healthy. There's so many other factors that it's just not that by itself. But just amazing to me that it, it can be such a big part of it. I had tried riding a, a normal bike. Um, I've got a friend that loaned me his um, road bike. And, and I, I'm actually, with the, with the amount of exercise that I've gotten from the e-bike, I have the endurance now to maintain about 17 miles an hour on a road bike. Is a very good pace. <laughs> yeah, it's a very good pace. And I did 22 miles in about 74 minutes on it. And I didn't feel tired. I was up and back and, you know, I didn't feel exhausted. But I wouldn't trade my e-bike for it at this point for the time savings and the mm -hmm. additional speed. Having ridden motorcycles for 35 years, I'm addicted to the speed. I, I like <laughs> being able to get that e-bike up to 25, 30 miles an hour. Yep. I mean, I've, there's a downhill slope that I take coming coming home from work. I have to climb up it going to work, but coming back at, at night, it's a 12% grade for two and a half miles. And at the bottom of it is a, this is your speed radar thing. <laughs> and every day I go past that trying to hit a new top speed and hitting that, that <laughs> sign. So. 
Yeah, unfortunately, uh, we have one of those in the little town of Rough and Ready close by here, right towards the bottom of a nice downhill. So I understand the temptation. Well, it's an everyday thing for me. I maxed out at 42 miles an hour. <laughs> and I was pedaling hard to get it up there. Um, and on a flat, I can't get above about 29, 30. But on that downhill slope, I can get, I've gotten up to 42. I, I, normal is about 38. Uh, on a good day with good tailwind, I just want to see the sign when I pass it. And the look on the car's faces as I'm going down the hill faster than them. Yeah, and, and your coworkers uh, driving along at a slower pace, too, I'm sure. That's funny. Yeah, they're on the freeway sitting in traffic. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you volunteering, uh, you know, your story, like I said, your time to be on the podcast and just sharing the information. You know, if there's anything else we can do for you at Bolton e-bikes, uh, of course, don't hesitate to ask. Oh, believe me, you guys are on my radar. Anytime I need parts, you, you're where I go. Um, <laughs> if you've got them in stock, I, you guys have been great. I, I, you know, I couldn't believe it that, that Mark was able to help me put together a tandem that I didn't buy from you. I mean, I bought some parts from you, but he was just willing to, to help me and get through it. And it had nothing to do with your company. And that just was uh, outstanding to me. So I promote you guys. If anybody asks for an e-bike, go to Bolton. That's where you need to go because these guys take care of their customers. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Now, if you had stock on that Warthog when I bought it, I would have bought it. You didn't have any stock at the time <laughs> I got it. <laughs> I know. it's uh, It comes and goes. I've got a few right now, but not a lot. Hopefully we can... Uh, keep everybody happy and keep getting more bikes and uh you know one day we'll have inventory all the time one day it's not going to be this month not be next month but you know who knows when that'll happen as soon as we can get through this supply chain mess that we're yeah. in right now i mean i live in los angeles and, and one of the places i bike is out toward the long beach marina and oh, you can see the boats huh <laughs> We see the ships out there, those container ships. We, we, we see them every weekend, and it's like, I was like, oh, hey, I've got parts. It's probably sitting on that one. <laughs> I, I had ordered some parts. It took three months to get here, and I was like, it's sitting on one of those boats somewhere. And hopefully, we'll get past all of that, and things will start to mellow out. Well, I know we will. We just got to be patient just a little bit longer, and, uh, and also, we're just trying to be, on my end, uh, creative in ways of getting bikes and parts over here. And uh, we'll figure things out. That's just going to take uh, a little bit more time, but I think we're I think we're getting closer. Well, good luck to you again. Love your company, so keep up the good work. If I'm in your area, I'll, I'll make sure to swing by your shop. Sounds great. Thanks again, Mark, for being on the podcast and uh, ride safe. Where is Grass Valley in, in, in Colorado? Where is it? We're not in Colorado. We're in California. <laughs> oh, I thought you were in Colorado. We are in Northern California, which might as well be another state from where you're at. I know. But uh, we're about an hour northeast of Sacramento and roughly an hour west of Lake Tahoe and the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains. So it doesn't look like a, a lot of California, but it, it is a very nice place. And that's where we're at. Well, thank you again for having me. Of course. Thank you. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Bolton E-Bikes podcast. I hope you learned something from Mark. Uh, that was a great interview. Lots of interesting things to share. He's really putting the miles on his e-bikes. And, you know, hopefully that's an inspiration if you are in a dense city area. And even if it's not a dense city area, sometimes there's situations where an e-bike is actually faster than driving. And in my opinion, much more fun. Obviously, there's the whole exercise component, which is a big reason why I wanted to talk to Mark today. Uh, it was great to hear more details about that process and uh, 
and wow, what a what a transformation! Obviously, results not typical, like you know, little subtitle on those uh, commercials. <laughs> but uh, I just really wanted to hear more about that and how that happened. So, thanks again for listening. I will be back on another episode on another Tuesday. Mm-hmm.